listening to the First Community Podcast, where we talk about life and faith with our First Baptist family. I'm April Adams. And I'm Caroline Roberts. And today, we're going to be talking about reading the Bible through neuroscience. Ooh. <laughs> it's a little bit different than That's what a we've been going topic. for. Yes. Yeah. And so, I came across an article. I was about to say, do we have the credibility yes. to... Uh, um, I don't. <laughs> be but, talking about neuroscience here? <laughs> but I read an article, so okay. now I'm pretty... Um, enlightened and yeah enlightened and capable I guess okay <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah there was an article in the Atlantic that I saw posted on Facebook somebody else had posted it and so whenever I I clicked on it out of curiosity but I thought it was going to be a lot more negative towards religion mm-hmm. but it ended up being a lot more positive Interesting. And so so that's really what piqued my interest and surprised me a bit. And so they interviewed uh, James Kugel. I'm probably going to butcher every name in this. <laughs> um, but he's written a lot of books on religion and kind of how the ancient biblical characters, how they process things and how they saw God mm-hmm. and compares the differences between how they saw God and how we see him now. And so he is the professor emeritus in the Bible department at Bar-Alam University in Israel. And he's also the Harry M. Starr professor emeritus of classical and modern Hebrew literature at Harvard University. So he knows his stuff. He knows his stuff. So really, we're just talking about stuff that he's researched. Okay. And this conversation is established on his credibility. Yeah, his credibility, not not ours. ours. Yeah. (laughs) And so, but I do find it fascinating. Yeah. And I think he's Jewish, pretty sure. Yeah. But, um, and so he does have a more positive outlook on faith and religion. And so pretty much the crux of this is why do people of ancient biblical times hear from God and find it very normal when they would hear voices, audible voices from God, while people in our Western culture don't. At least if we do hear voices, we don't think it's normal. Well, the first thing we mm-hmm. do is go to the doctor and try to treat it with medication. <laughs> yeah. And so those are the questions that he's raising and looking at. At, at the um, core of this article, which we'll, we'll post a link to it. Yeah, that's a good the, idea. Yeah, so people on can our read podcast it. page so you can check it out. But he's saying that the ancient people of biblical times, and we're talking about Old Testament, because even in the New Testament, they're starting to come out of that. Mm-hmm. Roman culture is taking over. Like, I mean, even when Mary, um, Mary hears from the angel and you know, she, she's told she's going to have God's child, mm-hmm. um, people think she's crazy and they think yeah. that she's, you know, she's just trying to cover up a sin. Mm-hmm. And that's why an angel has to come to Joseph as well yeah. to tell him. And so he had to have kind of the same experience that she did in order to believe her what was going on yeah Mm -hmm. whereas you have the old testament like the prophets and Mm -hmm. they i feel like they were used to hearing audible voices from god Mm -hmm. i mean as crazy as it sounds to us yeah it was a normal thing it was common to have prophets and Mm -hmm. they accepted that and so so we look at the, the the big difference is their sense of self is what um he's arguing Mm -hmm. in this or trying to explain and which raises some interesting questions for us in this. And so one of the first ones is the concept of self as internal versus external to the body. So in our Western culture, 
we kind of see ourselves as separate from our physical being. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I'm I'm apart from everything that that you see. Like I could be right. all in something else. And I've been watching a lot of sci-fi too, and, been, <laughs> and it's Have been you? talking about talking about that, like people uploading their brains to the cloud, and oh, then maybe you're yeah. apart from that. Maybe some of our internet culture has gotten us thinking that way. Outer body experiences, yeah, or like you know, the the your your body can die, but your consciousness will keep going mm-hmm. in some other way. I think there's a lot of that that we think of, but and and it just. It gives us more of this individualistic. Yeah, it makes us unique. Look. Yeah, because no one can actually perceive or like experience mm-hmm. who we are because what we are may not be what you see or may not mm-hmm. be everything you hear. Yeah, I mean you can't hear everything going on inside of my head or your head. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's like and so we we think of our, ourselves the self mm-hmm. as being apart from from us and who we are. Which is kind of weird mm-hmm. whenever you think about it, but it's something that we've accepted. And But really, and so the ancient, ancient folks, they, <laughs> the ancient folk, yeah, they, uh, <laughs> I like that. Huh? I like that. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't look at things that way. And there's more of like this, you know, what you see is what you get thinking of themselves as apart from their body, which, mm. you know, would show why they had a lot more respect for the dead, I guess, in that thought. And mm-hmm. there were more rituals around around the body. And also, if you did certain things to a body, it was considered really terrible. Yeah, and desecrator. Uh-huh. And why in wars, whenever you really wanted to get at somebody, you would mutilate a body, stick somebody's head up on a pole, you know, things mm-hmm. like that that would just really gruesome but it it drove a point home Mm -hmm. even more so than we might think of it now and but in reading some of what he was talking about um he was actually saying that neuroscience supports more of what the ancients believed than what we believe really because there's let me see if i can find what he was saying on that part that that really there's no there's no construct in neuroscience that can physically identify self like that we don't science doesn't need that idea of self to measure everything else like because it's because there's no there's no physical evidence right and it's something that Mm -hmm. is kind of created by the person itself you know Mm -hmm. it's not something that's created on a global, like, universal scale. It's not standardized between every human, so it's not... There isn't any evidence to support any... I mean, because it's something that is so unique and so, in, you know, indi- individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's what I, here's where it was that I was wanting to read. He said, We tend to think that there is some central part of our brains that acts as a clearinghouse. Processing all the outside sensory data that come into our heads via our eyes and ears and so forth, and then deciding what to think and how to respond. The problem with this picture is scientists cannot find anything physical to the brain that seems to act as the clearinghouse. The physiological terms, in physiological terms, there is no I myself, such as an entity 
seems to be a mental construct, something Mm -hmm. human beings evolved over millions of years, but which has no independent physical reality. This I myself is not, we believe, identical to our bodies or our brains. We have a body and a brain, but the processor of those things is somehow conceived to be separate from them, from fictional, from some fictional owner, me. This is far, this as far as most neuroscientists are concerned, is simply a mental construct. Science doesn't need an I myself to explain what goes on in our brains, but apparently we do. Mm. And so... That's so fascinating. Yeah, and so what what people in the Old Testament would have believed about self is probably more scientifically accurate than what we do. Yeah, because, I mean, when you think about it from, like, a medical or scientific perspective, I mean, we have a lot of understanding of basic function of the brain and the, the mm-hmm. nervous system. I mean, we have a lot of understanding of where the brain processes memory or, you know, how the brain processes fear and emotion or you have this, you know, giant area in your forehead called your frontal lobe that, Mm -hmm. you know, contains your personality or processes or is how your personality Mm -hmm. or where your personality kind of, you know, is contained. But there's not, there's just not that understanding of like the mind and Mm -hmm. that sense of self and that that uniqueness that's something you can't put any you can't put any kind of neurochemical reaction to or you can't explain Mm -hmm. that by neurotransmitters you can't yeah you can't explain that and I think it's so fascinating how you know as we start to understand and and know and grow in our knowledge more and more and more there's just still so much that we don't know Mm -hmm. and to think that thousands and thousands of years ago people didn't even know about I mean all of the different parts of the brain. They didn't know mm-hmm. that there was a difference between the limbic system and, you know, the occipital or occipital lobe. Like they didn't, there wasn't mm-hmm. this knowledge or fundamental knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, so I wonder they, if, if that, I don't know, changed the way they saw themselves or. Yeah. Well, they, it's, it seems that there wasn't so much a question of, is there a God? Mm-hmm. There was, because even with the pagans, they, accepted the fact that there was something besides themselves that was pulling mm-hmm. the strings, that there is another God. So up until more of your modern times, post, way after Nehemiah, and you're mm-hmm. getting into New Testament stuff and other cultures are coming in to play and all that stuff. Um, I, yeah, I don't think it was so much a question, is there a God? It was who is God mm-hmm. and which one's right. Yeah. And so when when everybody has the perspective of there is a God, that's going to form how a culture sees itself True. and how individuals see themselves. They see themselves, you know, as subordinates, as mm-hmm. they're created, as underneath a Lord and Master and who that Lord and Master is. Mm-hmm. Maybe different. Yeah. And so... Then moving on from sense of self, well, I mean, this is part of the sense of self. There's also the thought of a self-contained mind versus a semi-permeable mind. Mm, I liked his phrase, phrasing of semi-permeable mind. Uh, yeah, <laughs> because when you look at Old, Te- at Old Testament, to hear from God, to ha- hear voices that come in, and also to be possessed by things, mm. that was that was normal. And so, with people of the faith, I think early on they knew that 
if you were a believer, you weren't, nothing evil was going to take over you Mm. if you weren't allowing it in. But God could enter at any point. And so that's, I think that's why it's kind of semi-permeable. Because they, I mean, there might, certain cultures might have believed that anything could take over at any point. But when we're looking at our Israelites, our Hebrew people, God's chosen people, Mm. the understanding was God can come in and do whatever, whenever. Mm -hmm. And our minds are open to that. And I don't think we think of it as that way. We might say it in some sort of consciousness, but... If God really took over and started, that yeah, it's controlled. Uh-huh. God is in control, but I mean, do we really believe that? Yeah, <laughs> like, do we really believe that if push come to shove, that He could ultimately change the outcome of something mm-hmm. or affect a situation or affect a, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, you know, He could even go make a donkey talk or whatever, yeah. you know, things like that. That. Catch There's bush a on lot fire, of, yeah. like <laughs> without it burning. The donkey talking thing that has always freaked me out. Yeah, <laughs> and I just can't. I've yeah, I just cannot well, comprehend that. And or, and you never read that anybody just goes, oh, what the what the mess? You know, they're yeah. just like, oh, the donkey. Oh, the, yes. yeah, the donkey's talking. <laughs> Wait, but the donkey's talking. <laughs> or you know, people try to you know interpret it as something other than the donkey actually talking you know Mm -hmm. and and I think that's our approach to a lot of these things that happen in scripture is oh well we'll we'll just interpret it as not literal Mm -hmm. as a figurative situation or circumstance or experience Mm -hmm. and I don't know does that really take that I feel like that takes away from the the power like you said that our acknowledgement of the power of the of God to do anything you know mm-hmm. yeah we we want to contain god instead of <laughs> yeah and which comes back to how we think of our minds like yeah. if we're thinking of our minds as self-contained that we are closed off and limited and and so it's only by what we allow in yeah. versus what ancient biblical figures thought is that the mind was open mm-hmm. and it was pretty much it wasn't just their own mm. With us, everything is our own. If it belongs to my person, it's me. It's, You're not yeah. allowed in. Yeah. But with them, it was more of a communal <laughs> communal, mm. and just open to the supernatural. And so that, that whole perspective and just how everybody, it's more of like the well-being of the nation and not so much the individual. Mm. Where we're like, what about me? <laughs> <laughs> we talk so much nowadays about this idea of opening your mind and mm-hmm. being open-minded and I think it's funny you mentioned how the ancients were open-minded and how we have digressed and now we seek to be open-minded maybe in a different mm-hmm. facet of the word and of the phrase but um almost like our self-constraints and our, our own mental construct that we've developed for ourselves has has caused us to or prevented us from having this open-mindedness that people so long ago had because they didn't see themselves they saw themselves differently and their sense of self was mm-hmm. so so different and so their their view of God and the world was so so different mm-hmm. well one of the quotes from Kugel out of his uh, latest book is uh 
talking about modern Westerners, that's us. <laughs> that's us. <laughs> that's us. <laughs> the harsh cultural conditions into which we have been born have, for the most part, turned our originally open, semi-permeable semi selves into oddly stunted and closed-off organs, which today are scarcely aware of their tiny opening to the capital O outside. Mm. And, and so the, uh, the interviewer is asking Kugel about that, like, she says that sounds pretty negative and Mm -hmm. asks him, do you think people are better off when they see their minds as semi-permeable or is it meaningless to make a value judgment about this? And so I really liked his response on this and it, it says a lot about us and maybe how much we do miss the mark on some things. Mm -hmm. He says, I'm not sure what a Martian's view of our sense of self would be, (laughs) but I think I have an idea of what ancient Israelites might say about us once the shock shock. wore off. (laughs) He says, quite apart from our living in a world in which God plays no obvious part, they would be astounded at encountering a sense of self that is just huge, virtually filling the heavens. Each of us would seem to them so important, so big. Their sense of self was far more collective than ours. Their own existence was tightly connected to that Mm. of siblings and cousins and clanmates far and wide. And who they were was very much defined by who they came from as well as by their inherited social roles. All this, quite apart from semi-permeability, simply made them much smaller than we are today. In fact, from this perspective, the semi-permeable mind was just another aspect of human smallness. I think the challenge facing religions in the West nowadays is to try to help people shrink down to more to a more realistic size and then to let the divine take over where the human leaves off. And I mean, that just kind of, it was convicting, Ooh, yeah. actually. I mean, it's like, wow, it's just hitting the nail on the head with, you know, if you look at our world from a secular point of view, you see the problems of sin and you see you know, the disparity of and the depravity of our world from this lens of, like, you know, people just seeing their own personal, you know, trying to achieve whatever their own personal gain is, whether that be, like, a political stance or, you know, disregarding the needs and um, just disregarding other people just because they're different from you or, um, I don't know, it's, it's really hard to put into words all of the negative um, attitudes and negative just actions of people in our world today. But I think mm-hmm. it all boils down to this idea that we have made ourselves, each individual person, mm-hmm. especially those that have influence, we have made ourselves so much bigger than we ought to be. Yeah. And, and it really is just convicting because when I think about instances in my life where I have, you know, when my sense of self was, was not collective, when it was very, um, it was against, or, or I don't know, when it was like this sense of self that he's describing as this modern Western, um, I don't, I don't know when I think about instances when my sense of self was like that. Mm-hmm. We just think we're so big. Yeah, and and that is when I find myself not tolerant or not open-minded or not, you know, willing to engage in a world 
in a way that is um, pursuant of something bigger than myself. And like we talk about how there is a purpose that's bigger than than ourselves, the purpose of mission and the pur- mm-hmm. purpose of the gospel as believers. But like it's really hard to get on board with something bigger than yourself when you're making you yourself you're really, really big. Yeah. yeah, I mean the fact that he when he <laughs> says. Um, th- that we have a sense that's <laughs> virtually filling filling the heavens, yeah. like, <laughs> and it's true when you when you pull back and look at that because I th- I think maybe our initial response, especially in our Christian culture, is to mm. think, oh, I don't think that much of myself, but look at how we live day to day, and yeah, we do a lot more than we realize, mm-hmm. especially if you do go back and look at Old Testament mm-hmm. and how people interacted. And how I love, you know, how how they identified who they were based on where they came from. And it was a collective idea. Like when you think about how important it was in the scriptures, this, you know, when you, when you read about any Old Testament character, especially like it's always so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, the mm-hmm. son of so-and-so, or so-and-so, the daughter of this person, mm-hmm. or from the tribe of Levi or the tribe of... Benjamin, yeah. and it's like it, who they came from was important to them, mm-hmm. and not because I don't think it was because who they came from was their identity. Well, it was it their was, identity yeah. because who they came from was ultimately God the Father, God the well, Creator, and and, and the name that you Abraham. were given to. Yeah, like you, and and so and that might be why we've tried to come away from some of that because the way the way they dealt with things wasn't perfect yeah and the idea is to kind of take where they were in that identity and putting it into christ and being part of that family like to to make everything perfect would be and i think like you think of jabez like his name meant great pain like causes great pain Mm -hmm. and so what your name was was how people identified you and Mm -hmm. so he said that he said the prayer that was very popular back in the late 90s about <laughs> one book's written and it exploded. But he did, he, he prayed to God to change that identity, mm-hmm. and God did. And so what we can learn from some of that is that God ultimately sets our identity. But so in some ways, both cultures got it wrong. People identified themselves with their families mm-hmm. and and, you know, if you came from a good family, then, yeah, you were good. But if you didn't, you were bad. And there was no yeah, no attention to who you were as a person. But now we've gone too far in the other way. Mm-hmm. That it's all about who I am as a person. You don't Does define me. Nothing defines yeah. me. You know, yeah. I make my own path. And yeah. that's wrong, too. Yeah. There, yeah. It's And I think it's really cool to think about how though our sense of self has so vastly changed over the course of history, like who God is has not at all. Mm -hmm. And he has not ever been surprised by our sense of self, you know? And I think that's so fascinating that the way he interacts with us and the way he engages with us now, I mean, he's still able to do that. It's not like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, they, you know, their sense of self's just too big. I can't interact mm. with my children anymore. They've just, you know. And he's like, I'll show you how small you are. <laughs> yeah. And it's like our our 
you know, our evolution, I guess, and the way that our sense of self has evolved has not affected God's ability to be who he is. And I'll just, I just love that, especially from a scientific standpoint, like he is so sovereign over the evolving human and he's so Mm -hmm. sovereign over nature and science. And he is like, he speaks that into, into being, and he's known about it from day one, from before day one was in existence. And like that hasn't affected him from being who he is and from him ultimately, you know, providing his spirit to us once the New Testament came. And I think that's really interesting how the way the prophets interacted with God, I wonder if the way that's changed is because after Jesus, in him giving his people the Holy Spirit, I wonder how that... Yeah, well, and that's the part that we that I did fail to get to. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> well, not, and it's not... Well, and it's not even brought up in the article yeah. because the writer is Jewish, so he doesn't believe that and, yeah. Jesus is the Messiah. But from the Christian from, perspective, yeah. too... I think part of what feeds into that is after Christ, God became yeah. a lot more personal. A lot more personal. And so there, there is reason into that, but it's just in us seeing God as very personal and being a father and a friend and mm-hmm. something close, which is how I identify with him mm-hmm. a lot, but also not losing that awe and wonder mm-hmm. and realizing our place before mm-hmm. a holy God. Mm-hmm. And so that's really the balance that we have to play out in that. For sure. For sure. But again, it's like, check your sense of self. Like, do you really think that you're bigger than you are? Mm-hmm. That you have more control than mm-hmm. you actually do. And and we don't like to think about that. But until we come to that place, we're not going to see God for who he is. We're not going to see him as majestic and holy mm-hmm. because we're just going to be looking through the lens of ourselves, or, you know. Yeah. And we miss out on the miracles and sure. the supernatural. Yeah. Because, I mean, it, it's scary because it takes a lot of control out of our hands. It does. And, and I, I still want to be careful in that when we talk about hearing voices and things because there are some that are bad. And yes. Like there are, yeah, there, there really is demon possession. And then there's also mental disorders and I don't want to get into what could be, what could be possession, what could be a mental disorder because one, I'm not qualified to, (laughs) and two, um, that can just put a lot of labels on things that, you know, don't want to, but to, to take the divine out of everything, mm-hmm. you know, really does us a disservice. And it really stunts our growth with God and our understanding of God. Yeah, and our ability to mm-hmm. engage with him. But also to willy-nilly say, well, whatever voice you hear is obviously God. Maybe not, mm-hmm. you know, check it against scripture. For if, sure. If you hear a voice telling you to go, like, shoot up a it's, building, that's, yeah. you know, it, God's not going to go against his own word, too. That's another thing. Yeah. And I realize. think, like, it, it's, it's just cool to take a step back and to look at, you know, these things that a lot of people struggle with or a lot of people have experienced, mm-hmm. but maybe haven't ever talked about it or haven't because they just don't understand it. Like, mm-hmm. I think especially as a believer, it's so, so important to recognize that God is above that, that God is in, mm-hmm. like he's sovereign over those things 
um, that they are not out of his control, um, especially when it comes to, like, you know, hallucinations and, you know, voices that can be medically explained or voices that cannot be medically explained. Mm-hmm. Like, God is sovereign over both of those things. Yeah. Um, and that's really what I think the ancients, you know, the ancient prophets, they they knew. They knew God so personally um, because they acknowledged him for who he was. And we get to know him so much more personally now. Mm-hmm. Because of Christ because and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. yeah. But we can't forget that he is God. Yeah. Yeah, so interesting conversation. Very there's interesting. so much more that we need to talk more could, about. Yeah, it. maybe next time there's another part that we didn't even get to, but mm-hmm. we are out of time on this one. And but we will put the link to the article yeah, that we're talking to, talking about, <laughs> in the the podcast webpage on fbccola.com. Dot com. Yeah. So thanks for listening and give us your thoughts on this topic either on the website or our Facebook page, First Baptist Church, Columbia, SC. We want to hear from you. Yep. (laughs) 